We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is for the Chiefs fans all across the world still. Witting those red and those gold clothes girls still. Answering the questions for our Discord peeps, and we still got love for the Chiefs. Yes. It's the POG. That's right, everybody. My name is Craig Stout. This is 21 Questions. It's typically our subscriber only podcast for KCSN, which is why if you are only listening to the public feed, you are probably very confused why I even did that up front and sounded like the whitest person in the world no 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 no. I, we're trademarking that we're trademarking that that that's going out to the world i think everybody needs we get a profit off this craig you are a man of many hats many jobs we can now add platinum no record <laughs> rapper i mean what, what's wait what's the what's the least valuable metal that there is that's that's what that's what it is see the funny part is is i typically mix up the words and do something for 21 questions every time that i am the host for 21 questions which i am and with me is my good pal maddie lane maddie how are you doing buddy uh you know i'm doing good i i okay. miss seeing your your lovely face in vegas um so it's been a couple days so i had to you know elbow everybody else out of the way to make sure that i got back on this 21 questions little did i know i was getting a concert with it though so yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't yeah. be happy i didn't have to pay admission See, listen, I, I was thinking about doing Kendrick. I mean, because Super Bowl halftime party is coming up. You know, you know, this. No, it, it's not. I don't recognize yeah, I mean, it. It is. It actually is. I'm going to watch that part of it. You know, I had to go with Dre because I, I can't do Kendrick. Like, I just can't. Like, I don't have that flow. Or Eminem. Don't have that flow. And I wouldn't disrespect Mary J. Blige with my terribleness. So, I mean, it was either Dre or Snoop. And I won't Dre. So, this is the question or the question show basically we get from our discord the kcsn discord a bunch of questions every single week so i sit down with maddie or kent sits down with bj or tucker or whoever you know we all sit down answer these questions that you have brought to us this is the first one after the chiefs have lost to the cincinnati Bengals in the afc championship game and after we have gotten back from Las Vegas and the Shrine Listen, I'll game. tell you what. There's no better way to cope with <laughs> losing an AFC championship game than to be in Las Vegas, go to a Golden Knights game, and also cover the Shrine Bowl. Like, you know, there's there's not... like, Yeah, the loss of those things, but guess what? It feels like 13 months ago that that game oh happened to me, 
and it's been barely a week since we were, oh no, West Coast time. It's legitimately been like exactly a week since we were having to talk about that game to everybody. Yeah, there's worse ways to have to pass time over a loss than what we had. It still stinks. It does, but you know, I think a little over it. You throw yourself into your work. Not that the night's game was our work, but we we worked. You guys are about to see over the next several months what, what we came up with oh. there. Man, the Shrine Bowl treated us so great. So great. And getting to talk to everybody and be a part of all that was awesome. You guys will see all of that. We got lots of features. We got lots of stuff coming for you in that front. But, Maddie, let's dive into the questions, all right? Let's do it. I'm, let's I'm do ready. It. All right, the very first question that we got after the Chiefs lost in the AFC Championship game was this one. Does Patrick get an NHL or an NBA team to Kansas City this year? This seems like a good question to move past a rough game. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I'm not as plugged into Kansas City uh, politics as some others that might be on this podcast. Like, if Craig has anything, he can jump in here. I... I don't know of any NBA or NHL teams that are going to be on the move this quickly. So that's why I said I don't know. And I don't know if Kansas City is the top of the line to those. They should be. This year is the tough part about it. I I truly believe that Patrick's going to bring one of those teams to Kansas City. I really do. I think there's going to be a hockey team or an NBA team. I do. But I don't know about this year. That's, That's rough. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm interested in it. Uh, Kansas City Sports Network would gladly cover an NHL or an NBA team. Gladly. Buddy. Oh, after yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, after going to that Golden Knights game, man, that was fun. So much fun. All right, Azuri Gunner asks: Veach loves the overreaction, hard focus off season. Last year was the offensive line. What is this year's, Maddie? Defensive line. I think we since since that question was asked, I think we probably actually got the uh, the benefit of getting that Brett Veach presser, and I don't think he could have used the words defensive line more often if he tried. <laughs> um, like I I want it to be cornerback. I don't think there's that much talent in the cornerback room. We can sit here and you know have fun with the uh, oh you know some team or some people think we don't value cornerback, but it's like what you do tells us that you don't. What I what I do see though, you've paid two defensive linemen twenty million dollars. You've traded a lot of draft capital for one. You sign a new defensive lineman every single offseason. You sign guys in the middle of the year because all this money you're spending on the defensive line isn't good enough for your liking. They're going to spend on the defensive line. It's going to be guy multiple guys, big named guys. They might draft them. I think your defensive line is going to be entirely reworked outside of Chris Jones this season. I mean, think about all the assets that have been spent at that position and then you know two of the three years brett veach goes oh man we need another defensive end and goes and gets one mid-season terrell suggs and melvin ingram and i mean both of those guys were impact signings don't get me wrong like it wasn't a bad thing that they went out and got those guys it's just wild with the amount of assets that they poured in that position they're still having to add guy. I mean, you can never have too many good pass rushers, but man, that's a lot of assets that you're throwing to defensive line. Whew. All right, DSM Derek, give me your most memorable KCSN moment from the season. Oh, that is tough. I'm going to say um, when we got to meet with the good people at Holiday Distillery, the college draft party that we got to kind of get together, watch with a bunch of subscribers. 
hang out, take some distillery tours, get to know some people, get to, you know, hang out and meet some folks. That was a really, really good time that we got to have. So that's, that's easily my favorite so far. There's a lot up there and there's some like really like, you know, deep heartfelt ones. I'm going to go with a funny one and it's a little bit of recency bias. We mentioned it. We went to a Golden Knights hockey game in Las Vegas. We all went wearing matching powder blue KCSN hoodies. There's five grown men, well, four grown men and a Tucker walking around Vegas <laughs> in powder blue matching hoodies going from hotel to hotel, bar to bar at a hockey game. That was fun enough. Tucker and I were sitting, we got put down on the end. We got the children were put down on one side by ourselves. So like Tucker and I, we, we were, we were having our own game while everybody else was doing their thing. Tucker and I disappeared for like an hour. I know. <laughs> did we, did we really sit according to age? Did we, did we do that? Were you yes. on the end or was Tucker no, on the end? I was on the end because I'm the uh, youngest. So that's fair. Um, no. So, but no, after the game, it was good. We were all having a good time. We were back outside and something that maybe not everybody knows. I'm pretty competitive about stuff, anything. Um, I think we were chanting Craig is great in the middle of the strip in Las Vegas. And he tried to run away from us. But see, little did Craig know that as soon as he took off and ran, I was going to catch him. <laughs> and I got up to him and he did not see me coming. And as I slipped around behind him, I scared him in the middle of the strip because he tried to run away from us down some stairs. That was a lot of fun. I, I then laid down laughing for like five minutes until BJ slow walked up to us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely no alcoholic beverages consumed in that game. Definitely none. All right, you, you fools. That was not the only time you chanted that on the strip, unfortunately. Uh, big institutions, biggest fan. Seem just right into that, of course. Great, great call, Maddie. Oh, what is the Chiefs' number one need in this offseason? Maddie, what do you think it is? Fixing Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, anything else can happen. It's not going to change the result of what happens to this team if you do not get a better second-half performance. Now, how do you need to fix him? That's up for debate. Maybe it's just something he works on his own. Maybe I mean, he's probably not broken. It was probably just a bad half. It was just a really bad half of football. Maybe that takes getting a, sec a second wide receiver, a number true number two wide receiver. Maybe it's just getting in a new influx of like a scheme, a new person, a new voice in that offense to help get guys you know back on track. Whatever it may be, you just it's fixing Patrick Mahomes. Whatever that takes. Maybe it is adding to a defense to make him not feel pressure to score every single drive. I don't know the right answer, but it's fixing him however that you have to go about that. I mean, yeah, I was going to kind of go something similar. I, I want new voices in that offensive room. And not that, I mean, it's not, it's not super stagnant by any means, but I think we saw this season teams caught up a little bit to what the Chiefs were doing on offense. That doesn't mean that they were, that they weren't good they were still awesome like they were still just hanging points on lots of people but it is a team and a defense particularly that's built to be playing with a lead and built to pin their ears back and rush the passer and they definitely need guys that can do that they definitely need cornerbacks they definitely like there's a lot of individual pieces on defense that i can single out but this team is built around its offense and I want maybe some guys in there that can identify things a little quicker in the game flow, can make some adjustments maybe a little quicker in the game flow, or maybe, you know, change up the game plan a little bit from week to week, keep opposing defenses on their toes. I mean, we spent a good part of the early part of this year wondering why they were just kind of ramming their heads into a brick wall against, you know, a too high structures and things like that. Like it, it was. And then we look at, the AFC championship game and you see them with these light boxes and 
you know, the Bengals dropping eight and trying to just contain the explosive pass plays and trying to force Patrick Mahomes to hold on to the ball. And what do the Chiefs do? They don't run the ball. Like, I mean, there there are individual elements of this that we can talk about improving player-wise, but honestly, the, the personnel on offense was good enough to get them to the Super Bowl this weekend, unequivocally. And they're all largely returning this year. So I want maybe some new perspective there a little bit more i don't know i, I don't know yeah. if it's even advancement maddie i, I, uh, I don't I'm, yeah i don't want to burn all my talking points because i'm going to force this topic onto one of the labs we record this okay. week like it's actually something's on my mind but i do got to say this you know in the meantime i'm not going to give any answers but think about how many non-andy reed tree voices have been added to this team since 2013 think about how many have been added since 2018 when matt Nagy was gone just think about the guys that have come and gone you know, think about who's gone, what success they've had. Think about who's come in and just think how many true outside voices have come in and what positions kind of they've gotten to. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I'm looking at right now. You can't be, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't be stagnant in football. And I do think there's a little bit of that to the Chiefs. They have not had a new concept, a new scheme. Like that has not been really brought in. It's like, that's just the tease for later this week. So I really want to go into this because I'm with Craig there. I think that's one of the biggest things I'm falling back on is, it's just a lot of the same right now. And the NFL's now gotten four years to catch up and th they have. Yeah. And that's not trying to say anything bad about Andy. Andy is an no. innovator. He really right. is an innovator, but that's hard to do within the game. It's hard to do within the game planning and stuff like that. That's, that's off season Andy and off season Andy and typically game week. Andy is awesome, but we do see some deficiencies here and there and by the way maddie we'll, we'll have a question that's gonna maybe allow you to elaborate i, oh. I know you're trying to save it to the lab but oh, that's okay we'll, we'll if there's there. a yeah. question we'll, if there's a question we'll have to answer it yeah brandon ws if tyron matthew doesn't come back is there a free agent target that jumps out to fill that need here's the thing no under steve spagnolo it, it really is a no because there's so many things that they ask him to do there's so much movement that they ask him to do there are good safeties that will come on the market I mean, marcus may is a heck of a safety you know is a guy that i really enjoy watching you got marcus williams for the saints that's also you know going to be an unrestricted free agent those guys don't have as much on their plate as Tyron Matthew does. And that's even before we start talking about the stuff that he does for Spagnolo during the game week, during, you know, it, on the field to make his calls right and things like that. It It's not something that you can just go, hey, that guy is going to be able to do what Tyron does for me. There will have to be a shift in the scheme, no matter who it is that you bring in, because he is just such a unique player. And the symbiosis between Spags and Tyron is just, enough to where you can't just replicate that the one guy that i thought could have filled the leadership and like the iq role would be quandre Diggs, but mm. he's also 29 you're barely saving any age and this is a new happenstance that i discovered he hates cover zero so i don't think he's a good <laughs> fit for steve spagnola he absolutely despises it he, he's all over twitter calling it the worst coverage that's ever existed now maybe you can make that work but he's the one guy that i think could fill all of the like not act physical play he's the guy i think that could fill a lot of that but you're not saving any time like age he's coming off of a major injury and i don't know if he's the best fit with spagnolo um you want to ask for a guy that i think could do a lot of the same physical things justin reed safety mm -hmm. out of houston plays in the slot plays in the box plays he could play anywhere tyron matthew did maybe not be as good 
maybe not have the same leadership, the same IQ qualities, but he could do the same stuff. So if you found somebody else to call out of the defense, he's a guy that I think wouldn't, isn't going to be that expensive is very young. So I think he's still only like 24, 25 years old. Like he's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense for Spagnolo. It's just, you would need somebody else to take over that leadership and QB of the defense role. And if, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get there, but if you lose Matthew, I think everybody's kind of already written off Hitchens. Who is that? Mm-hmm. Who's doing that? Like, I don't know if you can bring in a 24, 25 year old safety like Justin Reed, who has never been on a great defense and ask him to do that. So I don't know who it would be. Yeah. I mean, the amount of respect that Tyron Matthew commands from literally everybody in the league is insane. By the way, just to kind of answer that question, what's Mika Fitzpatrick doing right now? Is he one out of Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. I mean, just. Just saying, just throwing that out there. Mm. Just DRK, what will the safety position look like going forward when you don't have a Band-Aid for everything in Matthew? Kind of going in tandem with that. Going off of that, would you think that they would invest more into the corners if the safeties aren't reliably as good, Maddie? I think I talked about a little bit about this uh, in one of our last podcasts, how if you're going to lose Tyron Matthew and you're likely not going to be able to replace that same level of safety play, maybe you transition some of your thought process to going out to the cornerbacks. We talk a lot about Steve Spagnuolo's historical trends. You can go back to his most recent stint with the Giants. Yeah, he had Landon Collins, who did a lot of stuff, but he was a lot more limited than Tyron Matthew. He wasn't playing deep at the way Tyron Matthew was. He wasn't really even playing that kind of robber role that Tyron Matthew was. He was box, and then just a guy that rotated around or took a tight end or running back. And man, he moved but it wasn't to the same level. But then you look, he had good Jackrabbit. He had DRC, Dominic Rogers, Kamari. Like he had some guys out there to play corner. So you could shift and go that route. And Steve Spagnuolo has done it before. The problem is if you don't bring back Charvarius Ward, who Craig's got a great article you should go check out on the kcsn.substack.com right now. If you don't get him back though, I don't even know if you have a good starting point to build up that cornerback room. Like you really got to add multiple guys to pair with Sneed to get that Giants level of play. It's just, it's a dicey transition in one year. It is. It really is. And I mean, we've been pounding the table for what you talked about, how it feels like 13 months since the AFC championship game feels like about 23 years that we've been pounding the table for a a cornerback investment from Brett Veach. Now, that being said, defense has been pretty good. Like uh, Steve Spagnuolo knows how to maximize the guys that are out there. That has also come with time. He has had to make adjustments. He has had to work with Charverius Ward to understand what his limitations are and put him in the best chances to succeed, which we saw this year was very good. He was a very good cornerback this year. Bashad Breland, a guy that he put in a lot of good chances and a lot of chances for him to succeed, turned out to be a very good cornerback for this team. But he did have elite safety play behind these guys for much of their time here. You lose Tyron Matthew. You lose, I don't care what you say about him, Dan Sorensen, a guy that at least knows the scheme well enough to help protect some of those guys and squeeze some of that stuff, even though he makes mistakes. At least in years past, maybe not this year. At least in years past, not this year for sure. But Juan Thornhill's your only guy that's really, you know, it's him and Legereus needs. So you got to make an investment somewhere. And if you have to skimp on the safety position, you can't build through the safeties like Spagnola wants to do, it needs to become a cornerback position. And you've got to shift the scheme a little bit. And that's that's tough. That is tough. It's not something that Spagnola's incapable of doing by any means. He certainly is. But 
it isn't one of those situations where you can skimp on cornerback again without having the safety on the back. Look at the Bills game. Watch the Bills game. See what happens when you don't have elite safety play back there. That's exactly what happens. It doesn't matter how good. Charvarius Ward gave up like 19 yards in that game receiving. And guess what? It didn't matter. It did not matter at all. It, yeah. Anyway, you need good cornerback play. And then you've got to clog the middle of the field, which is bodies at that point. If you're going to their first that. round cornerback couldn't hang on. My first round corner. Yeah. I think is corner. And this is a sidebar. So unfortunately we're going to make this go longer. Is there any, who's the last like first round corner that completely failed for a team and then went and reversed their entire career course with the next team? Oh my goodness. Like, well, like is it's going to be Jeffrey Okuda in two years for the chiefs, but I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> like I can't either. Like there's guys that have been okay for other teams, sure. but like there's not been somebody that's completely failed to be around one corner that switched teams that immediately is like playing at that level. And, and somebody's going to, you know, tell us that we you know who we're sure. forgetting. And I'm sure there's guys, but like, there, you're going yeah, to have to think about it. You're going to have to think about it for a second. I think it's just, it's such a valuable position and it's in a way that if a guy is good, you're not just going to let him go for nothing at that position. Like if you get after first round talent and he gives you any signs of being a first round talent, you're going to hold on to him until that contract is up. You're not going to let that guy go early. So it's just the chief's concept of like signing these retread first rounders because the ones had talent. You got to retire that strategy. It's just not the position. I think you can get away with that. I mean, and it's, and the guys that get free typically have the off field stuff. And oh, that's, that's that we're cornering I mean, that market. I know, I know we are cornering that market, but here's the thing about <laughs> first round cornerbacks. I, I do all this athletic testing stuff for the Casey draft guide. Stay tuned. We got more coming on that, but I do all this, you know, athletic testing cornerback stuff. And it doesn't typically matter what your athletic testing is when you are drafted in the first round you become a contributor because teams see enough in you to where you're going to be on the field you're going to play a lot of snaps you're going to contribute enough to it and so the way that it goes if you're drafted in round one during your rookie contract you typically start about 40-ish games and you come up with about seven interceptions and you come up with about uh, 36 pass breakups i'm oh, about kind of about it's off the top of my head all right it's off the top of my head so i i just looked at that recently that's what that's why i know but even guys that are bad athletes you know the the tier four see that guys a hundred percent of them still com contribute it's the tier two and the tier three guys that tend to not contribute and a lot of times it's off field it's off field stuff that keeps them from doing that so i mean it's it's tough to look at that and say, hey, you know, this first round guy didn't really work out, you know, so it is. A lot of guys don't know. They they typically all work out. That's what it is. You draft a guy in the first round, you play him. So it's cool that Brett Veach takes a stab on these guys. It's obviously not risking anything. Like I'm completely fine with what he's doing here. It's costing him next to nothing to take. It's just the reliance. It's just the it's reliance. Just, it's correct. You're not like it's just fine taking if it's a CB five or CB six. It's just the problem is they're constantly put in a position where 
Mike Hughes is playing significant snaps and it came back to bite him in the ass. So, right. It's not just throwing up a half court shot at halftime. It's like a fan challenge to sure. win a million dollars or nothing happens. It's like the game's actually on the line and you're pulling yeah. up from half court with 17 seconds left just because like, that's what it feels like the chiefs are doing with this. It's just, there's better ways to go approach this position and it works for others. You, the chiefs, other teams have found plenty of success getting retread receivers, offensive linemen. Like there's other positions. that strategy works. It's just cornerback enough of them play. It's so dependent on just like the physical talent. It's a position that doesn't require you to always be the smartest player. You can just understand how to play corner. So these guys that maybe don't understand every nook and cranny of a scheme, like you might need a, from a lineman or a quarterback, they can survive based on raw talent, getting guys that have failed to show that talent for another team just doesn't pay out, pan out as much as some other positions. Like I think the strategy of doing that has got to go. It does. It does. I mean, not that this is a one-to-one -one thing, and I know I hate even saying this because I know that this will get thrown back at us at some point, but Brett Veach's biggest success at cornerback was a UDFA guy that he traded a backup offensive lineman for. Right. Uh, it, and it's it's not close. Charvarius Ward is the most successful cornerback in the Brett Veach era, and it, it was a good move. It was a good move by him. They scouted him. They saw how he fit. He fit well into their scheme. It feels like the DeAndre Bakers, the Mike Hughes, even the Damon Arnett's, even though he was here for this long, technically wasn't technically on the team yet because he was a reserve future guy. That just feels like taking swings. That's just taking cuts no matter what the pitch is. Whereas Charvarius was clearly a, we like this guy, we like him in our scheme fit. And you see the difference between those guys. So and it's not I, like he got a chance to go out there and showcase that he didn't have the talent before either. Like the, that's the thing. The correct. first round guys are always going to get the opportunity. Charvarius Ward didn't get that opportunity really for the Cowboys yet. It's like that's why it's it's a little different there. It's just that those mm -hmm. failed guys is what I get hung up on. But we need to quit spinning. We'll move on. on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll make this real quick. Zach the Toxic KCSN Stan. If you were to trade our first round pick for a player, who would it be? Oh. We already talked about him. It's it's Minka. It's Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. If you are going to have Steve Spagnuolo run the same defense that he did, which is good enough, it's Minka. Younger, quicker, smart, leader. You get to keep doing a lot of the same things. Is this who I would do or who Veach would do? Who if, you would do. Uh, ooh, that makes a lot trickier. I'd have to think a lot harder about it. Um, I, I think... <sighs> I think I'm going to answer for Veach. I think if the Chiefs are trade the first round pick, it's going to be for Daniil Hunter, uh, edge rusher mm -hmm. from the Vikings. I think it's mm -hmm. maybe a little overpriced given the recent injury stuff with him, but he's good enough. It's the position that they value. I'd say him or like Calvin Ridley is another one, but I don't know if I personally would want to throw away a first round draft pick on Calvin Ridley right now. I mean, oh, man, that's tough. That's tough with Ridley. And you know, it's everything. It's everything with him. It's not just one thing. It's, age it's what the contract's going to be it's it, it, it's all of that stuff for what it's worth daniel hunter would be very cheap for the chiefs to acquire against the cap just saying would be oh, no, very he's getting, cheap. he is getting a fat contract the moment you trade for him yeah that's true 28 <laughs> years old 28 years old all right uh andy nagel Looking at wide receivers, Christian Kirk, an option. He's only 25 and probably cheaper than DeMarcus or than Allen Robinson. Oh my goodness. Whew, that's a whew, that's a big mix up. Allen Robinson or Chris Godwin. Does he bring a similar skill set, Matty? Uh, this is interesting. Uh, I think Christian Kirk's mostly a slot receiver. 
I really liked him coming into the NFL. He's got a little bit of that running back build, 5'11", 200 pounds, so a thick guy. You get the ball in his hand, let him run. I think he's coming off, if I remember right, his best year. So he's kind of been ascending every season. But it's so hard to say he only runs as an underneath slot receiver because of Cliff Kingsbury's awful offense or if that's his best usage because like there's overlap there. He's That's clearly his best usage is getting the ball short, uh, you know, and then running after the catch occasionally getting deep on some like slot fade kind of stuff. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and route up a bunch of guys. He's not a guy you're going to put on the line of scrimmage and ask him to be your ex. But I think there's enough talent there that if he's cheap, he's worth bringing in. Now, the issue is I think he's predominantly a slot or a Z receiver. I then you're still getting the issue of him and McCole Hardman and Tyree Kill are all kind of overlapping in which Tyree Kill is still the best at everything. I don't know if Kirk is better at even being a possession slot receiver than Tyree Kill is, not a deep bet. Like it's just you're getting a lot of the same skill sets that I think you could put on the field together. It's just Hill's always the best option for all of them. So it just kind of gets a little limiting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Will Yoder asks, how does the loss of Matt House to a college defensive coordinator spot, that's him going to LSU, help prognosticate the future of the Chiefs, especially with respect to keeping key pieces of this defense together and the plan going forward? This is a great way to talk a little bit about Joe Cullen, uh, the Chiefs' new defensive line coach. Mm Coming over from the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was the defensive coordinator there last year. Before that, he spent, I believe, four years, might be five, but four years with the Baltimore Ravens as their defensive line coach. Before that, he was a defensive line coach with the Cleveland Browns and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been around a little bit. And he is very well regarded. Uh, A lot of Jags fans that I know that are X's and O's people were big Joe Cullen fans. Like the problem wasn't with the X's and O's last year. It was the Jimmy's and Joe's according to them. And he just unfortunately sees the chopping block with everything changing over there. Just the general unsettlement 
the Chiefs are able to add him, and that moves Brendan Daly over to linebackers coach. Now, that does help keep some continuity in the rooms because you do have Brendan Daly, a guy that's been in Spagnuolo's system, understand how this all works, understand how everything operates. That's good because if you change all the position coaches out that need to communicate with a singular defensive coordinator that they're unfamiliar with, that's tough. That's why you see so many guys that come from the same trees because those guys work well together. They know how they work well. So Joe Cullen coming from that position does kind of make a big difference because I do think you're going to see some respect tied to him. I, I, I do think just based on everything that we hear, he's a well-regarded defensive line coach. So there may be guys that want to come and play with him and want to, you know, maybe want to stay. Maybe Melvin Ingram decides that he wants to stay. Maybe you see Jaron Reed say, hey, I'm going to hang around for a little while longer. Maybe there's not so much turnover on the defensive line this year because you're bringing in that guy. Now, I don't know what that means for Brendan Daly. I don't know what that means for the linebackers. All that we're going to delve into. I, I'm not sure that the Chiefs are even done with their coaching staff at this point. We will see. But it is an interesting thing to look at. Matt House leaves. They bring in a new defensive line coach, but they do keep Brendan Daly, maybe because of what Will said there, trying to you know keep guys in-house. Maybe, you know, Brendan Daly maybe is a very well-regarded coach as well. Maybe that's a way to keep some of these players in-house that we know like the Chiefs. Maybe they'll want to stay knowing that these positional coaches are still around. I do think it's interesting that Matt House took the essentially the same job that he had before he back came to the Chiefs mm -hmm. this quickly back over. Now, LSU is a step up from Kentucky. Don't get me sure. wrong there, but it's the same job that he walked away from. If that was his goal, he could have stayed at Kentucky one more year and probably got any defensive coordinator. He could have got the LSU job if he just stayed there. So I just wonder if his expectations did fall a little short coming to the NFL, whether it's a personal fit of working at the NFL level whether it's what's, you know, the time management situation. Like there's some guys just like college better. So I'm not, I don't know what it is. I do think it's interesting though, that the Chiefs brought in Matt House, who I think was trying to climb the ladder. They brought in Brendan Daly, who was considered, you know, one step away from being a defensive coordinator candidate. And I don't think either one of them have improved their stock at all since they've been with the Chiefs. Mm. Neither one of them are any closer to being defensive coordinators. I mean, Brendan Daly just got his coaching assignment changed. So they could bring in a better coach. Like, and maybe, I like maybe I, I'm I'm waiting. I, I like Brendan Daly too, by the way. But yeah. I'm waiting to see. He was the run game coordinator. Is he still the run game coordinator? Did he? Right. Did is that a full demotion? I mean, ugh, I like I him. I, I like him, you. but yeah, it's just like they replaced, they moved him so they could bring in a better coach. It's just maybe there was some expectations of climbing a ladder like the Chiefs have done on the offensive side of the ball with their coaching staff on the defensive side, and it mm -hmm. hasn't come to fruition. So like that is something to consider going forward. I'm going to save a lot, but like I said, I want to talk in the lab one of these weeks a lot more about a lot of the coaching changes. Like I am trying to pocket some stuff. So there is more coming this week on this. I think there's, I don't know a lot's happening right now for the Chiefs, but there's a lot of just talk, a lot of rumors going on on yeah. the coach. That's, that's worth the show later this week. Yeah. Joe Cullen's a hell of a coach. We, we oh, can say great. that. Hell great. of a coach. That's an awesome hire for the Chiefs. So it doesn't really matter. Largely coaches a 3 4 scheme. We will see. We'll get into Joe Cullen and all that when some other coaching stuff shakes out. If he's the only move, 
Well, then we're going to get into them anyway, but it'll be from a little different angle. Hate hate to burn that one and then have to you know basically rewrite all of it a week from now. All right, uh, Kenny with the Coke. Think, do you think Andy stays in the house for his staff hires? It doesn't seem like he likes to go outside his reach much when it comes to coaches. This is what you were talking about earlier, Maddie. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, Andy is a creature of habit. Uh, he likes what he likes. He's worked with guys. And this is going to sound bad. Then I promise you, it doesn't. It's not as bad as I'm saying it. Andy likes to control everything. So bringing in guys that he has previously had in that he knows he had that he gets along with that listened in the Andy way is good for him. It makes how he likes to run things easier. I don't mean that bad. It's clearly led to a lot of success in two different organizations, but that's the way he operates. So I do think Andy likes to hire from within a very narrow strip of guys. That being said, we've already seen one guy this year come from entirely out of left field. A guy that I don't think anybody would have put on their likely no. to be hired as a Chiefs coach, especially the position coming from a defensive scheme, technically taking a step down from a defensive coordinator and interim head coach role to this team. So, like, he's already branched out once. I am intrigued to see where the rest of the year goes. Maybe this is a time where Andy sees that there is a need for guys outside of his little his ring. There's there's guys there's room for guys outside his bubble because when you only have everybody from the same bubble giving you new ideas reacting to what you're seeing the same you are very predictable it's not some andy reads great you know always dealt with he's a very innovative coach but their time as fans we all know when he's going to do certain stuff he can mm -hmm. be a little predictable so the nfl knows that too maybe he sees it's time to start bringing in a few guys from outside that bubble all right uh zach the toxic kcsn stan and will yoder asked similar questions here this is going right I, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here maddie so you're you're gonna you're gonna have to go with this if EB gets the New Orleans Saints job, which as of this recording, he is interviewing with the Saints. We don't know how that went. We don't know if the Saints have hired anybody as of this date. And with Mike Kafka going to the New York Giants to be the offensive coordinator for Brian Dable without recycling the Andy Reid tree, who are you who are you moving to for offensive coordinator this is a tough one because there's a lot of really good offensive minds out there and i it, it is it's really hard to pick a singular guy that we like that is not already in a position of power like that that's the hard part about this i mean i have my druthers to be like hey lincoln riley come on down buddy Let, let's see what you got but why would he be an offensive coordinator right you know it's right it's a lot of guys like that that is just really hard to try and pick from and it's also not andy's way of doing things like that uh, it's so hard to look at that and then you know then i thought about even a guy like deuce staley which who would be awesome. Like that would be an awesome hire. He is currently an assistant head coach and a running backs coach for the lions. Yeah. He could gladly come over here, but guess what? That's an Andy Reed tree. Andy coached him. So I, I mean, it's tough. Andy's tendrils are far and wide. So it, it's, it's really hard. Matt, do you have any names? I mean, Pep Hamilton is the one that I think everybody's yeah. going to reach out for. But the thing is, I think Pep Hamilton's like really popular with teams that, need quarterback development. And I'm not saying that he that Patrick Mahomes can't use more development. I think it would be good to actually get another non Andy Reid tree voice in there to help him. I mean, 
we've all seen it. His mechanics can get very bad. When Patrick Mahomes throwing left to the flat, when it's not like his very first read that he knows he's doing is ugly. It's one of the ugliest passes in the NFL. We've seen him skip many balls to wide open players. Like it's one of the worst passes he throws. A lot of that is, you know, his mechanics. So like I would say that is one. Um, so Pep Hamilton's one, the, uh, Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell. I don't believe he's been hired yet. Maybe I'm wrong just because, I mean, you can't argue with Sean McVay's like, or that Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, whoever you want to call it's coaching. Wait, did he go to the Vikings? Did he go he, to the Vikings? He oh have. man. Um, do I have anybody else? I mean, like pipe dream it like, sure. Bring in Byron Leftwich for a year or two. He doesn't oh, want that to would work be awesome. Him whoever the uh kyle trask he doesn't want to coach kyle trask for the next year so bring him <laughs> in for an offensive coordinator for a year until he goes and gets his head coaching job like that would be a great one but i just realistically see that's that's hard though you're, you're mentioning a bunch of offensive coordinators like you're mentioning sean mcveigh and bruce arians offensive coordinators like it, right. those dudes you would expect are you know and sean mcveigh's day kevin o'connell is the vikings coach but uh, like Byron Leftwich, it's like why why would you go to another position where you're not calling plays? Like that's, uh, that's right. The other, and so yeah. like you know, springing this question on me out of the blue, I would have to go look at a lot of quarterback coaches and like other right. guys rising. I just I'm, I I think Pep Hamilton is the easy one. I know we said not in the Andy Reid tree, um, but like uh, David Colin or Coley, sorry, David Coley would be awesome. He really he would be awesome. It's a yeah. tree, but I think he's been away long enough that I'd be interested to see if he's had a Brian Dable like. Mm-hmm. not change but adjustment like to whatever chiefs fans know brian dable is one thing he's out here doing entirely different stuff now does coley have that going on too so like it's still the tree but like maybe he's a seed that dropped next to that tree at this point in time you don't know like that's that it's hard without have like going and actually researching all these qb coaches i mean you ask sure. me i'm just going to go hire the best offensive coordinator in college like whoever ohio state's coordinator is right now i'm hiring <laughs> him bring me the ryan day you know a little youngling next to him or whatever. Like, just give me that guy. Like, give me the college offensive coordinator because Andy Reid's going to do it all anyway. Just give me a yeah. new voice. Yeah. Uh, David Coley, I feel like, would have some sway. Like, he's been outside the building. He's done some other stuff, you know, beyond what the Chiefs have done. I think that he could he could check Andy a little bit on some things. Like, I feel like he, he would at least have the ability to do that. Plus, he's a good wide receivers coach. Like, that would be kind of cool to, you know, especially in a season that the Chiefs are probably going to add some wide receivers. All listen, right. Rugby listen, fu- we'll yeah. bury the hatchet. No, no, we'll bury the hatchet real quick. We can bring in Brian Hartline to be the Chiefs offensive coordinator. We'll bury the hatchet on a press conference. He can tell is me that. that is slow. that who's the offensive coordinator for, he, for Ohio he, State right now? He might be. He's been like the best wide receiver coach for I mean, years he's, yeah. in college. Listen, Just like, he's an I awesome he, wide receiver. I think he's, yeah, you guys can have conversations about Damon Arnett. You guys, you the two of you buddy it's kevin wilson is their offensive coordinator brian hartline's their passing game coordinator gotcha. so like either one of them but you know i'll bury the hatchet with brian hartline oh good rugby fox how much do you think the second half play calling in the afc championship was an overcorrection from the week 17 Bengals game if i remember correctly the chiefs leaned on the run game and tried to eat up clock a little too much as they played to conserve the lead that's that's a fun one because they did they really did a little bit. They they leaned on it. They were a little bit too conservative. Maybe they were protecting some of the stuff that they were kind of trying to hide, knowing that the Bengals were going to be a playoff team. Like at that point, they were firmly entrenched in the playoff race. Maybe they were trying to hide some stuff. I could see maybe them being a little more, hey, listen, we tried to run. We weren't able to get anything going. Let's put the ball in the hands of our best player, which is never a bad idea. It's just when he's playing that bad, man, 
you, you got to make a shift. That's my thing. You had the same problem both games. You just went about it differently. Both times you came out with a very specific game plan in the second half. As soon as it wasn't working, the Chiefs continued to try to do the same thing. Now, the first game, they didn't have that many possessions, so it was hard to get a chance to adjust. This time, you had plenty of opportunities, and you just kept throwing the ball when Mahomes was clearly not ready to go take that game and put it away. Give him some help. Just go back to running the darn football like you did all first half to a ton of success. You literally, I get it. You come out and you want to go three and out because you try to throw the ball or whatever that was. Heck, you Mm -hmm. even come out on the second drive and do the same thing. So be it. But by God, if you don't start just handing that ball off after that and start picking up some yards the way that Bengals defense was playing, it's a failure to adjust in the moment, both games. And the funny thing was first game, it was just not airing it out early enough when Mahomes had all the momentum throwing the football. The second game, you have all the momentum when you're running the ball and you choose not to do that and put the ball back in the hands of a guy who was clearly not right at the moment in time in the game. It's just the same problem. Just, they went about it different ways, both times. It's infuriating. Infuriating. Anti-law lawyer. If you had a time machine and you could travel back to the day after Super Bowl 54 and assume Brett Veach's corporeal form, what would you have done differently? This one's easy for me. I'm not even I'm not even going to change it drastically. I'm really not. I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. I am. I'm I'm just taking like oh, I don't even have to change. I know everybody's gonna hammer me for taking a round one running back. Convince me that Jonathan Taylor doesn't just completely unlock everything. Like he really does. You want to talk about a guy that's going to get the ball a ton. You want to talk about a guy who can catch the ball in the passing game and have has explosive tendencies. He is what Kareem Hunt was to that offense. But he better. would be that, but better. He would be that piece. By the way, we we talked about it. Kareem Hunt. Because of, of the way that that all went down, Chiefs end up drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Man, do we do we do we bring it all the way back for the misgivings of this Super Bowl to Kareem? Hunt? <laughs> no, oh dear, we don't. No, we don't. I'll do the same thing, but I'll draft the position that matters. I'll just draft T. Higgins. Can't lose to him if you have him. I saw somebody talk right. about that right after the game, and I think he solves your wide receiver two issue. Hey, you could go draft Antoine Winfield. Now you get rid of your Tyron oh, Matthew man. issue. Like now you have your answer for the Tyron Matthew things. Like there was, I don't think the Clyde or Delaire pick in itself is that terrible. I think he's a fine player. The value of it's never going to be what you wanted. The pick, the player is fine. But when you start to look through what the Chiefs could have done differently, how this team would look if they did something differently, boy, does it start to look worse and worse every single time. It does, especially since you and I were so heavy on the Jonathan Taylor train when we started hearing that those running back rumors that week. Oh, man. It just made so Can much you, sense. Just, it just made so much sense. By the way, speaking of Clyde, great dude. Like, did you see the the thing with him and Jamar Chase after the game where he was really talking him up and telling him to go win the ring? That's, that's mm, awesome. That, that's good for him, but I don't support it. I want the Bengals to lose by 80. I, <laughs> Andrew Hunter. Would you expect to see Veach and company invest in a safety or offensive tackle with one of their top 100 picks and kind of going in hand in hand with that? Maddie B. Hudson asks, is Niang the chief starting right tackle moving forward? What you feel, buddy? Safety mm. and offensive tackle. Lucas Niang is not the like 
penciled in starter right tackle. Is he going to be part of the competition? Yes. I do not think any way, shape, or form you go into this offseason assuming he's going to start at right tackle next year. Top 100, you're looking at technically only three picks because I think your comp pick will come out. So I'll include your comp pick though. So like, you know, those four picks, will you go safety or offensive tackle in those four picks? Uh, 51% chance, yes. I think there's just over a 50-50 chance that they will take one of those two positions in the top four. If they don't, I think you see one early on day three or they sign somebody for the fair amount of money. Like they are going to bring in talent out of safety, especially probably right tackle competition too. I don't think you're happy with Andrew Wiley and Lucas Niang competing for the right tackle. So I think you could live with it. I just don't think you're happy with that. I, Brett Veach loves the trenches too much for him not to add another offensive lineman. And it doesn't make sense to draft a whole bunch of interior guys because you're locked in there and you've got some good depth there too. It's not just that, you know, the starters are locked in. You need, I think they're going to pay Orlando Brown Jr. You need a guy that can play on a rookie deal. And whether or not that's Lucas Niang, you need to insulate yourself a little bit. Lucas Niang would be a phenomenal swing tackle. Like that's a guy that you're happy to have in house as your swing tackle, if that's the case. So we'll kind of kind of go, we'll kind of go from there. All right. Next one, Andy Nagel. If you can only have two, who are you picking? Jones, Matthew, Brown, or Ingram? Hmm, you got to pick two, Maddie. Threw Chris Jones in there because he's got some trade value and he's one of the defensive pieces that does. If I can trade Chris Jones, I'm going to go ahead and do that and bring in the capital and keep... No, you know what? No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I'm keeping Orlando Brown and Chris Jones. I don't think you can turn over the whole defensive line. Chris Jones is the youngest of the defensive players there. He's the guy that you can build the most around going forward. As important as I think Tyron Matthew is, I think Tyron Matthew's value comes to the Steve Spagnuolo defense specifically. Not that he was not good in every defense, but the value that he provides at this part of his career is significantly higher in that defense. I don't know how much longer the Chiefs are locked into that defense. I'm not. I, it might be a year. It right. could be ten. I don't know. But with being so unknown about that, I'm not going to lock into that at the same level as Chris Jones can go into anything. All right, Casey from KC, the one offensive and one defensive player that you liked from your evaluation this week that we got oh. to see in Vegas. Um. I could do this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip my guy, Marquan McCall, that I already talked about on another podcast, although I can okay. talk about him every podcast. I'm going to do uh, Cornell Volson, uh, North Dakota State offensive lineman. He played right tackle, right guard, left guard, and left tackle this week. And guess what? I'm not sure I saw him lose a rep at any of them. He, he was really good at all four positions and really good coming off of combo blocks and things like that. Not, not necessarily the best mover or anything like that, but a powerful guy. He's got a very strong North Dakota accent, but also very menacing. Like he's, he's just, it sounds like the most polite way that somebody's going to tell you that they're about to murder you in your face. So it, it was kind of awesome to, to sit with him uh, defensively, man. I, I, I don't want to take the guy. I don't want to take Maddie. No, do it. No, no, do it. Okay. Do it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do Ali Fayed. Um, Ali Fayed was, was awesome. He was so fun to talk to. It was so fun. Maddie, it, you got to nerd out with him for a long 
time about pass rush moves. This man is probably going to be terrible content for all but like five people. But my goodness, the two of them got to just absolutely nerd out about pass rush moves and about what he's doing. More of probably a 3-4 outside linebacker. They dropped him in coverage a little bit, a little bit lighter, but a bendy guy, guy with lots of tools and technique. I Listen, he'd be so fun. Not a Spags guy at all. Not a Spags guy at all, but he was really fun to watch this week. So yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. It's like, yeah, we did a lot of these interviews and a lot of what we're doing is trying to pull like stuff about the player and their journey to put together with stuff. So a lot of the technical stuff wasn't what we were aiming for. And Ali Fiat just gave it, he gave it to me. He set it up on a tee. I would ask him a question trying to get to like the journey and about him as a player. And he would just dive into all the super nerdy stuff that I love. So like, I just got lost in the interview, just asking him all these most <laughs> technical, just longest winded answers and questions. It was a blast. I love talking to him. It's just, it wasn't what we were aiming for, but I, I said, okay. Um, and by the way, Western Michigan, I'm not sure I said where he went to oh, school. Man. Western Michigan is where he went to school. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go defensively with Jossier Taylor, uh, defensive back out of, um, sorry, Wake Forest. Uh, I thought he just moved differently than a lot of the mm -hmm. other defensive backs there. Like, I, I don't think any of the defensive backs necessarily jumped out to me in terms of like their technique or necessarily their ball skills per se, but he moved differently. He kept that. He was the only guy that I felt like wasn't being threatened by the super athletic, like Kyle Phillips or some of the other, like Jav Javon uh, Halai. These guys were torching every other corner with their athleticism. He was the one guy I thought could stay in phase a lot. So that was just impressive based on raw movement. And then offensively, I'm going to go with uh, Isaiah Pacheco running back out of Rutgers. And we we're talking about a lot of this stuff. Like we got to sit down and talk to him. I was asking him questions about some of his favorite plays and just some stuff that like he liked to do about football. Every answer came back to just pass protection and not just pass protection, but dominating in pass protection, putting somebody on the ground, picking up a blitz. And he was, you could just tell he thoroughly enjoyed it. But then you combine that with this dude's five foot, 11, five foot, 10, 215 pounds. And there was some plays where he put his foot in his ground. And when he exploded up fields, there was a lot of burst there. So you're getting this like tough as nails, lunch pail kind of running back. But then you see him run a wheel route where he just torches a linebacker. You seeing him get these cuts and I'm like, okay, there's burst there. He's got the right attitude to be a third down type back. Like all of a sudden you're finding a running back that yeah, you might find late in the, you know, late in the draft, but he's going to do something for you at some level. Yeah. No, he was so fun. Like, I, I think the first time that we watched them run outside zone and he put it, he ran on the track and put his foot in the ground and we were just like, oh, oh my, who is that dude? Like, it, yeah. it was I had no it was clue who he was. And then I talked to him just like the first seeing him, like he's very well built. Like he's very, mm -hmm. like very well built, really fit, stacked guy. But then you watch some of the burst and you hear him talk about the past. It's like, okay, it's easy to see how a team is going to fall in love with that guy. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Here's our last one coming from Zach Eisen. Brett Veach calls you up and says, Hey, I need one non-chief free agent and they will be a chief next season. Who do you choose and why? Maddie, you have one immediately? Because I got one immediately here. I am checking an age. Yeah. Okay. JC Jackson, cornerback for the New England Patriots. I loved him coming out of college. There was some off-field stuff and resulted in him transferring from Florida to Maryland. Didn't care. because It seemed like he was caught up in some of like the same credit card scandal stuff that everybody at Florida was caught up in right then. Like, yeah. yes, it's bad, but credit, I mean, whatever. Um, him, 
because he's a number one corner. He makes plays on the ball, play outside, inside, man, zone, anything that Bill Belichick's ever done, he's excelled at. He, they immediately are like, oh, hey, Stefan Gilmore may have lost a step. No problem. JC Jackson, you're now Stefan Gilmore. And they didn't miss a beat with him. He can do all that stuff. He's only 26. Like he's young enough. You can pay him whatever you want. He's a true number one corner. I think his ball, everyone talks about Trevon Diggs' ball production this year. JC Jackson, actually got his hands on more football, more passes, and a higher percentage because he wasn't targeted at the same rate. He had more passes defense, almost as many interceptions, being targeted less than Trevon Diggs. Oh, by the way, he also wasn't getting an interception or giving up a 50-yard touchdown. He was actually shutting guys down or getting the pass deflection. So like J.C. Jackson, I do think, is an actual stud. Pay him whatever he wants if, if Brett Veach were coming to me. Okay. Brett Veach is coming to me and I get to tell him this and he has to listen to me because this is going to be out of character for him, which also so is that cornerback investment. But nevertheless, Chandler Jones. Yes, I know Chandler Jones is 32 years old at the start of this next season. I understand that Chandler Jones has been remarkably healthy. He played 15 games last year. He played 15 the year before, or he played five the year before with an injury, played 15, 16, 16, 16, 15. Like the man has been consistently on the field outside of the 2020 season. In every season but the 2020 season, Chandler Jones has had 10 and a half sacks or more, including a peak of 19 and another season with 17. So it wasn't just like he got up there once. He got up there twice. He is a forced fumble machine. He's a game changer at a position that they are going to need some bodies in, at a position that he is going to need some leadership in. Chandler Jones could do all that stuff. Like He's a guy that you can bring in and say, listen, we know that this is the end of your career. We know that you're playing out the rest of this, but the medicals check out. You're healthy enough. Let's keep you on here. Let's bring you in. You can be the leader of the defensive line room. And, oh, yeah, you're also still a hell of a pass rusher. And he kind of you know, he, he's spagsy enough. So, I mean, like, he, he'd be able to fit within what they do. And, obviously, when they get into being veteran, Spags kind of ignores some of those things anyway. So, I mean, I think he'd be a guy that would make a ton of sense, a move that the Chiefs are never going to do because he's that level of, you know, that age, and he's probably going to cost a little bit more than they probably want to pay to a guy that old. But, man, I think he'd be an impact player. All right. That is 21 questions for this week. This is for the public feed, so if you like this, we are going to keep doing this all off-season long. And if you want your questions on this, you need to subscribe to the KCSN, you know, their newsletter, what we've got going on. Go over there, subscribe. You can get involved in the Discord. There's a full channel just for asking questions for this thing. You can get in, ask these questions. We'll answer yours we will catch you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done.